and a very warm welcome back to the Asset Allocator podcast. I'm Dave Baxter and joining me today to discuss all things allocation and holding selection are Asset Allocator's very own David Thorpe and Ben Gutteridge, the Director of Investors Model Portfolio Service. Um, so welcome to you both. Uh, once again, kind of speaking at a very uh, topical point, very, um, to use the euphemistic word, very interesting time for markets, um, still very kind of up and down. Um, but Ben, it, it's interesting to have you on this time because um, I have been looking at some of your kind of recent commentaries, some of your own takes on what's been going on. And perhaps you have now turned to a bit of a more optimistic note. Um, I looked at one of your market outlooks and you, you even referenced the, the prospects of perhaps we may see the rare eventuality of a Goldilocks scenario returning. We may perhaps have seen um, some of the worst when it comes to inflation and monetary tightening. Um, without expecting a crystal ball, how confident are you here? What's your kind of, what's your premise? Um, what kind of expectations do you have for, for, for the coming months? Um, well, hello to you both. Thanks again for for having me on. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're right, David. There was definitely a, an optimistic tone to the notes and our views uh, at the moment. Wouldn't want to overstate that. Certainly recognise uh, there's plenty of risks out there. Um, but yeah, I think I think you've captured like the major themes correctly there. I think uh, inflation is obviously front and centre in investments investors' minds. At the moment, um, and not only does that eat into sort of consumer spending power, but it also encourages central banks to tighten monetary policy, perhaps at an accelerated rate, and that like throws up fears about growth. Uh, but also valuations, you know, as interest rates go up, tends to be a bit of a headwind to stock market valuations. So if we think we are sort of at or around peak, I, th- I think you know. Getting the exact timing is, is hard with inflation, but maybe we're past the peak in the US. Maybe we're approaching the peak in Europe. That um, you know, inflation may sort of move lower from here, and that is um, good news, as it gives consumers a bit of a, a bit of relief, and may encourage central banks not to cut interest rates, but perhaps not to raise them quite so fast. And uh, that type of mix, you know, still positive growth, lower inflation. Um, less hawkish monetary policy that that sort of underpins that sort of Goldilocks uh, type um, metaphor, and uh, yeah, it's typically been quite a rewarding one for equity. So plenty of risks, but that's mm. that's sort of under as I say under, underpins that the more optimistic view at the moment. Um, uh, um, where, where are you seeing that in t- in terms of where you're allocating to within within equities? Is there particular sectors or or geographies, I guess, that uh, that are most interesting <coughs> as a way to play that scenario? Well, yeah, I mean, it's not... It, th- there is some controversy here because, obviously, things like the NASDAQ and uh, those sort of growth tech names have been so punished, haven't they, uh, this year? But uh, if you think about the environment that I just talked about, which is sort of um, uh, inflation uh, calming down, um, central bank policy being more generous, uh, that is typically rewarding for sort of more growth uh, areas of the market. Now, I'm not expecting sort of NASDAQ or the big tech companies to return to the valuations uh, that they were on uh, around a sort of at the end of last year, the turn of the year, uh, but they could certainly enjoy some relief uh, if 
uh, as I say, we move into a regime of um, uh, less hot inflation and uh, less hawkish central banks. And staying on that point, are there any kind of, um, say you are looking at kind of the uh, the growth parts of the equity market that, like you say, have been really hard hit. Um, have there been any kind of lessons of areas where we should have more due diligence? I mean, perhaps we've seen some of those more speculative areas in particular kind of really take a battering. You know, is it, are there any kind of metrics you would apply just to be on the safe side when you're when you're trying to kind of buy in? <clears throat> well, I think like the lessons learned are like to have balanced portfolios. But I think it's sort of relatively easy here in hindsight to say, look, well, those valuations were pretty outrageous. And of course, like we're all going to get jabbed and we wanted to spend less time at our computers and return to a more normal life. But at the time, there was, you know, during that period, there was still sort of un- some uncertainty about what like Omicron, how vicious it, it might uh, might yet be and and how much, you know, reluctance there would be to return to more normal types of spending obviously in the uk it seems as though it's certainly the way you or, or i observe consumer behavior it seems like you know we're, we're well past those sorts of fears but anyway sort of a, a preamble is that you know you really should just be running diversified portfolios don't get carried away um with uh businesses that are performing well where the valuations are, 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 are running hot but at the same time making brave predictions that that's the that, that they they are now forgotten uh, that that sorry that they are they no longer merit a place in portfolios you know would 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 seem to carry the same type of arrogance perhaps at the start of year the year that suggested growth was the only way to go i think mm-hmm. you know they definitely you should definitely be thinking about leaning into certain parts of the market but to eschew growth companies at this stage um, would would seem to be to, to display a, an an unhealthy level of overconfidence. I would have thought. Mm. And you you talk about um, kind of diversification. I suppose what's interesting there is that's um, perhaps a term that people would understand very differently. I mean, have, have there been any kind of lessons in terms of what is diversified? Um, you know, we've a couple of times we've had the. Uh, unsettling sites of of bonds and equities seeming correlated in you know the worst way when when everything's going down. Um, have there been have there been any things you kind of you wished you'd been holding or anything that has perhaps kind of proved itself as a um, diversifier for kind of the first time? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I definitely think we wished we'd been holding <laughs> some 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 less equities and le- less bonds, probably holding a bit more mm. bit more cash, but. Um, like that would suggest there might be a little bit too much confidence in our in our tactical asset allocating ability. I mean, we, mm. you know, the people have different time time frames, but you know, we're thinking like twelve, eighteen months, and really beyond. Even even sort of five, five, ten years, really, is what we're thinking about when we're really building our asset allocation decisions. But yeah, I think like the big the big problem that we've seen in terms of diversification uh, this year is that. Bonds and equities have both done badly, and mm. um, you know you think you think when equities are getting a lot, getting some treatment that the bonds are going to help you out. But of course, it's really been the bond market that's been the catalyst for the sell-off. It's you know we've all we've got much more inflation around than we thought the most people thought there would be, and it's been more persistent. And so central banks have 
flipped from really quite a dovish orientation to, you know, a, a serious display of intent and commitment to thwart off the inflation menace in that it could really, you know, sting consumer spending power and it could also start a vicious circle of you know, wage inflation, more uh, price inflation and uh, you know these things get out of control more leverage and you get a bigger pop down down the line so we've had um a, a big sell-off in bonds and you know that has really hurt equity markets don't necessarily want to get too um stuck in the rut of mathematics and discounted cash flows but if interest rates go up the future value of of, of, of the sorry the the cash flow worth today of uh it go, goes down you know all those those payments you want to get down down the road are worth less today in an environment where interest rates are higher so you know bonds selling off interest rates going up uh has really hurt equities so di- diversification <clears throat> um you need to think more about how you're going to diversify portfolios cash can play a role certainly commodities can play a role um alternative uh type assets which is vast you know in what they can uh, attempt to do uh, but certainly uh, yeah just thinking about equities and bonds the classic 60 40 portfolio you know that mm. really leaves you vulnerable to an inflation uh, to, an, to an assault of to the assault of inflation um, so yeah I think uh, thinking about how you want to allocate to alternatives is important but I would not um, dismiss bonds would not dismiss bonds as a diversifier. We can talk a bit more about that if, if you like. But uh, it's not yeah. Ben, I noticed. I think on one of your recent um, updates, or, or maybe speaking to asset allocator, actually, um, you mentioned that um, you have been um, dipping your toe a little bit more in, in the government bond area at the expense of maybe corp, uh, corporates and, and high yields and stuff. And and is that really a function of uh, you know uh, if that uh, inverse correlation between equities and bonds comes back. It would be government bonds that would that would benefit much more than 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 corporates, which maybe have a closer risk profile to equities. Yeah, well, look, I don't want to sort of tie myself into knots here, but there are there's definitely a sort of a portfolio construction piece, but also um, like an, an an outlook element here. So I've talked more positively about what I think the backdrop for equities because we're going through it. growth is slowing and i think inflation is going to slow which means central banks can be more accommodative on policy but given how tight they've how much more restrictive they've been on their monetary policy setting actually there is like a more meaningful risk of a recession like, i mean it's not the base case but there is more of a risk uh and uh therefore whilst inflation may fall central banks may have over tightened and they may turn dovish in fact growth may go into negative territory in somewhere like the us in the next 12 months so not the base case and in that environment where growth really does hit a, a downturn um then i think government bonds are still a really useful hedge um they're not a good hedge against more inflation surprises and central banks needing to be more hawkish but if we really got a growth problem uh, then um government bonds government bonds can help and and yeah, there is a bit of, a, as I say, a portfolio construction element here. There is more yield you're getting from them than you were certainly at the turn of the year. And uh, they are a better diversifier to a growth downturn. Uh, so a better diversifier for, for the equity position um, than uh, than they would be against, as I say, an, an inflation shock. Hmm. It's interesting you mentioned the recession risk. Um, as you say, that's something that's kind of 
become become more prominent in recent yeah. months. Um, I suppose what interests me there is is the you, you mentioned it would be kind of um, perhaps a return to form for government bonds if we did unfortunately enter that scenario. But is how does that affect your thinking also in in the equity space? I mean, are there are there any kind of funds or any styles that you would tend to favour more if you did think we're moving into a downturn? Well, I mean, in that type of environment, I don't think there's much money to be made out of equity markets. But you'd think, like, where's the more more money going to be lost? And it would be in in that type of environment would be you know those more sort of cyclical. Uh, those those parts of the economy, those parts of the stock market, that are more exposed to the economy. And you think about like financial services uh, as being one. You know, banks and things. Uh, they could be uh, under a bit of pressure in an environment where we have a growth downturn. Consumer discretionary uh, type uh, names, uh, and therefore the things that would hold up better would be like consumer staples. Uh, and utilities and more secular sort of growth stories, even, you know, technology, um, the secular sort of uh, tech rather than perhaps sort of semiconductors, uh, you know, software businesses would do better than, as I say, microchip sales. So those are the types of things uh, I think, you know, as we go into it, should we go into, I think we're going into a slowdown. We think those types of, th- those sector calls would work, you know, pretty well and we'd we'd hope you'd sort of make some money out of those sector calls um but if you're going to recession it's obvious you make money out of those um that equity positioning but perhaps you lose a a little bit less yeah and could we be in a position where perhaps um those those slightly more defensive equities have been you know sold off in in extremis um and and are really uh, attractively priced now, even in a scenario where your base case is not a is not a recession. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I wouldn't I wouldn't say like, like they're obviously screaming cheap, um, and I still think there are. Um, I think there's a lot of nervousness out there, like the sentiment or the surveys at least, uh, and when we talk to friends and such, there's lots of nervousness. Um, but actually, when it comes to holdings, I still think people are uh, are overweight equities. Again, that's not just anecdotal; that's from surveys uh, as well. So you've got lots of nervous people who are still holding equities. So, you know, uh, I think on a on a medium term view, equities look like re- reasonably attractive. Uh, and if we avoid uh, recession, I think they, uh, I, I would hope they do very well. Uh, but you know there are there is this that risk of recession, and I still think there's plenty of people holding equities. So yes, there are there are like still some material downside risks that um, make us sort of nervous about this optimistic uh, view that we carry. Mm. Is, is there? Um, I mean, you, you use the expression "screaming cheap," or well, nothing is screaming cheap. But is there anything you think has gotten to kind of such valuations? Anything that's perhaps. Um, Maybe you do need to take a very kind of long-term view, but is there anything that's just been sort of seemed like an obvious kind of dislocation? Well, I think if I was saying anything was screaming cheap, I don't think I'd be allowed back in to do an, another media <laughs> event. Um, but um, I think, you know, on a medium-term, medium-long-term view, like this is, 
a, a better entry point to equities than than we were at the turn of, of the year. And um, I, I hope people would sort of recognise that. Now, like, timing is tricky, isn't it? Um, and, you know, reputations are lost on being too bold here. And as I said, there are there are risks uh, to um, that, that prevail, as I said, in relation to a recession. But, you know, US equities are off nearly 20%. And that's typically, you know, 20, 25% off the top is what you'd sort of expect in, in and around a sort of a recession. And this doesn't look like it would be like a, if we get it, it doesn't seem as though it would be like one of these financial crisis type recessions. There is no normal recession. None of them are very not, not all of them are horrible. Um, but on the basis that it isn't, uh, you know, a once in a generation crisis type recession, then sell-offs of the sort of 25% magnitude uh, are, are what you're sort of looking at on average. And if you sold off like 18, 19%, then, you know, there's a bit of asymmetry there. And so, yes, there's downside, but perhaps not quite so much material downside. Uh, and uh, the upside looks um, looks looks sufficiently appealing to sort of to, to take on that trade. Mm, mm. Um, ben, one of the, the Investment Association's flows uh, data came out yesterday, I think, and it showed again uh, another month of um, very sharp sell-off in UK equity funds uh you know us was back in positive territory um, mixed asset funds were, were, were doing well um but the uk continues to be out of favor there was a view for a long time that that was about you know the sector makeup and the uk being identified as value rather than a growth market but demand continues to fall for, for uk where, where, where do you think of uk equities right now um and, and on valuation grounds and and everything else well i mean that's that's really interesting sort of data set i mean it really it really sort of depends where you're you're coming from i mean i think we all know that uk equities have been um uh, have really taken uh, have been under a lot of selling pressure from from uh, certainly from international uh, uh, owners but also you know pension funds you know wealth managers have been continuing to reallocate towards um international equities and such is the high sort of starting position that that trend may continue to sort of dominate but i i would i would take the view that like most of the selling in terms of international sort of asset allocators it must be a good way through that like ne nearing its end if not sort of at it and that coming from a position in terms of our modern portfolios where we are we have much less i believe than the, the than the peer group actually we think where well, we are we're sort of adding to that to, to uk equities now this is not us saying like uk equities are sensational value um we prefer other markets but we we were coming from a position of really having very low uk equity exposure to to, to adding some um we think uk equities are are, are clearly um well placed in the sort of old economy commodity type names um that you know could still continue to command um a uh, you know greater share of uh, investor interest in an environment where energy prices and commodity prices uh, stay high, and I think you know what what often is the case when it comes to money flow is that like we all think of a narrative and a story, 
but when it what really makes us look at a market is when it's painful either being in it or not being in it and not being in UK equities this year I think has been painful for international equities so uh, in- investors and so you know they look at it a bit closer and it's like okay oh perhaps there is a bit more credibility there and so you know you, you allocate more so I think UK equities are going to be on people's radars um, the-, the story is clear but I think that the, what will really be the driving force is that it's been painful not to own them. Uh, and so uh, international equities, uh, international investors will, will look at them more closely. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And in terms of, um, just briefly turning back to your, you, you talked about US equities, um, perhaps still the main kind of game in town. Um, how, how do you feel about kind of allocations there and, you know, people have long been concerned about the kind of concentration risks um, and, you know, the big big bias, those big tech stocks. Um, does the, I mean, does the kind of bear market lessen those concerns to an extent? And, and how much do you kind of wish to kind of diversify beyond the, the usual market composition? Well, I mean, we, we are of the view that, you know, broad benchmark exposure is sort of a, a reasonable way to allocate to to the US. We're comfortable with its growth bias. Um, but we do allocate to active managers beyond that because, you know, we work hard to try and find managers we think we can that can add value uh, over time. But in our US allocation, uh, as I said, we have some active managers, we have some passive uh, passive managers, but that combination gives you that growth bias of the market. And I think we're comfortable with that. I think in the short term, it, that reflects some of the things we've talked about, you know, passing peak inflation, um, a growth slowdown, a more generous monetary policy. You know, those, those are the types of things that sort of support, support growth markets. And then, you know, over the medium, longer term, you know, these secular stories that sort of so disrupt and change the way businesses and um, consumers spend and interact you know that's that's sort of where you're going to find it um and uh, and therefore i think on both the me- short medium long term still comfortable having our greatest allocation to us equities and the valuation obviously is uh is is, is at a premium um but I think it's worthwhile paying that premium and it's certainly not the premium you were paying at the start of the year great well um lots of interesting food for thought there and perhaps a a more reassuring note for some uh, some selectors after a difficult few months um i'm afraid that's all we have uh, time for so many thanks um to to ben for uh, for joining us and david as well for his his insights and uh, see you next time thank you thank you